He's breaking it down so you don't have to. This is Breaking It Down with Frank McKay on 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here with a, a legend, really. I mean, he is uh, he has seen it all. And for nearly four decades, uh, this this man has been just a, a fixture in uh, in pop culture, a, a comedic uh, talent, uh, second to none, and you know certainly uh, media wise and uh, and everything that this man has done is just he's put a special mark on it. Uh, legendary L.A. Uh, weatherman Fritz Coleman uh, has, uh, has has done it all and seen it all. I'm absolutely thrilled to have him. His Media Path podcast is uh, is a must listen to, and uh, you you just gotta uh, you just gotta listen to it. He's just absolutely wonderful. Uh, Fritz, thrilled to have you, Frank. I'm honored to be on your show. I appreciate the chance to talk to your listeners. Well, listen, I, you've, uh, you've seen it all, as I said, and uh, you've been at it for a very long time. Uh, give us a little rundown of the, uh, the Media Path podcast. And, uh, you know, it's, again, uh, it's, uh, you've done such a great job with it and, and everything over the years. But give us, give us a little rundown of this. Absolutely. Well, um, I, I have a co-host. Uh, her name is Louise Polanker. We've been friends for 30 years. Uh, she produ- I've had several one-man shows, comedic stand-up one-man shows, and she produced two of them. We've been friends for a long time. We have similar opinions about stuff. We have similar interest in movies and television shows. And we have great conversations about like pop culture every day. And she thought, why not just extend this and share this conversation with other people? So we started a podcast about a year ago. We've had 100 and, almost 106 episodes in the can. We're relatively new to the venue, but we're having so much fun. And we call it Media Path because every week we, we start the show for five or ten minutes talking about new releases in any kind of media. For instance, new streaming offerings, new releases in movies and theaters, new books that are released, new podcasts, and and we just talk about it. We don't review them. We just suggest them to people and sort of send them down a media path. And then we have a guest. The guest takes up the bulk of the show. It's about 50, 45, 50 minutes. We have a wide range of pop culture, recognizable figures. We just, uh, on Tuesday, interviewed Felix Cavalieri, the founder of The Rascals, one of my favorite blue-eyed soul bands of all time. He was so lovely, so human, and it was a pleasure to talk to him. We've had Adam Schiff on to talk about the politics in Congress and about his new book. We've had... Uh, Gary Puckett, lead singer of the Union Gap, to talk about the 60s and 70s in rock and roll. We also had Bill Medley on talking about the same thing. He was, of course, 50% of the Righteous Brothers. And we have all kinds of interesting topics. We're we're sort of boomers uh, in our age group, and so we thought we're going to stretch and go with some young topics. And we had two guys who have huge followings on TikTok to come on and teach us how to use TikTok properly. These guys have millions of views on TikTok, so that was fun. So we do a wide range of pop culture and current topics and have a blast doing it. Fritz, as I said, you've been doing this for for 40 years, and I can't imagine there's anything that's too—maybe TikTok, right? But but there's anything too new to you. Uh, Is it reminiscent of anything you've done in the past? I mean, your uh, podcast—I mean, it's uh, kind of like the old-fashioned talk show, you know, the— That's exactly right. That's exactly what it is. It's really the latest outgrowth of radio. 
but it's a little more personal in radio. It's not censored as much as radio. Uh, you're not stopped a lot for commercial, <laughs> <pardon Yeah. laughs> stopped a lot for commercial content in radio. It, but I, I think it's probably where radio will go. It's a more personal type of radio, uh, and so you, you make a good observation. So I mean, the, the skills you. I, I was a, a DJ for 15 years, uh, and uh, so your skills in being able to string a couple of sentences together without a break really helps in podcasting, as you well know. And so, uh, and, and you know, ad living on the air doing the weather for 40 years teaches you to think on your feet. So all those are skills that work in the podcasting world. But podcasting is very real. It's very intimate, and it's honest, and it's uncensored. And I'm really having a blast doing it. Media Path Podcast is the name. Everyone's got to uh, got to look it up and uh, listen, uh, binge listen to a hundred episodes, and I guarantee you'll love it. Fritz and, and his partner uh, Louise Polanka are are just uh, a must listen to uh, radio and podcasting. It's just uh, absolutely fast and fantastic. Fritz Coleman is our very special guest. Frank McKay here. Much more importantly, Fritz is our very special guest today. Uh, Fritz, we got a couple moments here with you. Is there is there anything you look at in your career? And again, it's been a long and fruitful uh, one. Is it? Is there anything you think of and say? You know, boy, I I would really like to do that. Uh, you know, before the uh, the hundred years is up, or before the whatever, I, <laughs> is there is there anything that that's on a, either a bucket list for you or on a short list uh, that you still haven't done that you would like to, media wise? No, that's a great question. I, I really don't have anything, a, any mountains I haven't climbed. I was on the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson and Jay Leno eight times. I was on the Tonight Show when uh, when. Uh, uh, Joan Rivers and Gary Shanlin co-hosted. I uh, performed stand-up on a Bob Hope Christmas special. I went to two Olympics in Seoul, Korea, and Atlanta, Georgia, uh, on assignment from NBC. I opened for Ray Charles in concert. I opened for Debbie Reynolds in concert. I opened for the band America in concert. I've had, and, and the older I get, the more I realize this, I have been beyond lucky. I'm so fortunate. So to quite honestly, uh, answer you, uh, there, there's nothing that remains on my bucket list that I wish to do. I just want to stay healthy. I have grandchildren now. I like to keep going for them, and I'm having a great life. You know, there's a cliche, the harder I work, the luckier I get, and, uh, and I think that <laughs> applies to you, so you're modest. Uh, what a career. I've been following your career for years, and I've seen some of those Tonight Show uh, performances, and, uh, and you know, you, you were on the Tonight Show when there were 20 million or 30 million people watching them, you know. Precisely. Three, three networks and, and so forth. Precisely. Yeah, but uh, amazing career that you've put together. I want to congratulate you and, and Louise on the podcast, but you, more importantly, for just a, an amazing career. Um, do you have anything coming up? And, and again, I know things are fluid. Uh, you know, we're still coming out of a pandemic and everything. Do you have anything coming up that, that points to some big celebration of your career? I mean, uh, Well, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what I am doing. I, I'm, I'm taking a comedy special that we hope to uh, put on a streaming platform. I'm taking it in uh, North Hollywood at the El Portal Theater on October 16th. We'll take two shows and uh, choose the best of those and hope that you'll be able to view that on Netflix or somewhere eventually uh, once we get the thing post-produced. But that's what I'm really looking forward to. And, you know, the, the, perform the live performance 
arena is just starting to open up after COVID now. Everything was going well. Then we had uh, Delta and then we had Omicron and everything was shut down again. Now it's reopening gradually. So people are becoming less afraid to come out and enjoy a live performance. And I'm really happy about that. Uh, Fritz, give, uh, give us a, a website or a social media site where we could follow along with what you're okay, doing. Okay, you can go to... You can go to mediapathpodcast, all one word, dot com. We have a, a fan page on Facebook that you can find, uh, a, a support group. We have all of our previous episodes there. You'll learn a little of the history of both myself and Louise, and everything you need to know is there, Media Path Podcast. And you can find us at Media Path Podcast in YouTube because we're both listenable and viewable uh, because – uh, my my co-host is a documentary filmmaker, and she post-produces these shows and adds a lot of great visual elements, and so you can see it on YouTube as well. Fritz Coleman, thanks for being here. I really appreciate the invitation to talk to your viewers. Thank you, my friend. Fritz Coleman has been our very special guest. Here's another uh, one of these guys who's seen it all, uh, 40 years in the uh, in the business, more than you know, uh, four decades. When, uh, about four, four decades, uh, long-time Los Angeles uh, weatherman, and um, uh, and you know he, he's broken off to do so many different things. Uh, you know, in, in many ways, uh, like uh, a well, there's no one like Al Roker, right? I mean, Al Roker has uh, has taken uh, being a weatherman and and spilling off of that uh, career and spinning off of that career into a million other things. But Fritz Coleman's done the same thing. And uh, and he's been at it a very long time, you know. Like I said, you know, when he, he was on Johnny Carson Tonight Show, when there were 30 million people watching, um, you know, the one show at night, and uh, you know, he's um, yeah, he's just had a, a career you could be proud of. Uh, Media Path Podcast is co-hosted by Louise Polanka, and you know, she's uh, she's been a, a producer and a documentarian for a long time. They have 100 episodes under their belt. And, uh, you know, again, they, you know, a lot of the same people you hear here, you, you could hear, uh, you know, on Fritz and, and Louise's uh, podcast, but uh, just uh, terrific uh, talent and, and longevity is a, uh, is a statement all its own. And uh, a very talented guy. And uh, you got you to gotta listen. You got to give it at least... At least a, a try, and I think you'll be hooked. Uh, lots of pop culture folks there. Uh, Frank McKay signing off. Fritz Coleman has been our very special guest. We'll see you all next time on Breaking It Down. He's breaking it down so you don't have to. This is Breaking It Down with Frank McKay on 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. Good to be here. Good to be here. You're going to take this. Huh? Yep. Okay. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here, so much more importantly, an actor that every time I see him on, on screen, I'm absolutely riveted to every word he says. He is absolutely terrific. So many people know him from the Beverly Hills Cop 1 and 2 and uh, Some Kind of Wonderful. I, I One of my favorite movies was Midnight Run. He played Marvin Doffler in that. It was just absolutely terrific. But there's one show... One show that I, I saw, it must have been 30 years ago, and they never gave it a chance. I don't know if it was ABC 
or NBC, but it was called Hardball. He played a cop, and I saw every episode. If it was put out now, it would have with all the different platforms. Forget it; it would have been on forever. But he was terrific. It was a terrific show, and uh, like I said, they just never gave it a chance. But he's gotten a chance in so many other roles. He has put together an amazing <laughs> career on screen, big and small, and on stage. He's an actor's actor. Once upon a river is something that everyone must see and tomorrow you're going to get an opportunity to see it on dvd and digital john ashton is our very special guest absolutely thrilled to have you john thank you frank it's uh, happy to be here all right listen congratulations on this movie you got a ton of uh, awards and nominations and uh, everything else boy people love this movie for good reason it's terrific Oh, good. I, you, you've seen it, I hope. Yes. Uh, it, it's, uh, yeah, it's, um, you know, I, I got I got my degree in theater at USC, and uh, I did a lot of theater before I started doing films, and uh, my agent sent me this script. I read it, and I, I just fell in love with it, and it was like reading a play, you know. Uh, it's just, uh, it's all about characters and relationships, and and uh, it's, 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 you know, it's just a great story-driven film uh, about a young girl trying to find herself and going up the river to look for her mother who abandoned her and and runs across all these different people. And I play Smoke, who's a hermit on the river, and and uh, they develop. She looks for shelter, and Smoke takes her in, and and they develop a relationship. And I I just I loved it, and I read the book before we started shooting, and the book was great. And, um, I. It, 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 it's a character that I don't think anybody's ever seen me do on film. Uh, character I, I, I played on stage when I was back in college, but but uh, you know on film, this is the first time I get to play this kind of character on film. I'm very very proud of it, and uh, like you already mentioned, we've won tons of awards all over the world at festivals, and and um, uh, you know people are, are kind of describing it as a uh, modern day Huck Finn and. Uh, 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 Winter's Bone, and but it's a film on its own. It, it, it's all on its own, and and I'm very very proud of it. And uh, I hope people go see it. We were supposed to open in theaters in October, but because of the virus, uh, we had to go to virtual theaters, and uh, and now it's going to video on demand. So everybody will be able to see it now, and I'm I'm very happy about that. You made reference to this, but smoke is much different than than what we're used to seeing you in. And it, you almost have to remind people. Oh, hey, that's John Ashton right there. It's uh, it's totally different. Did they write the character for you, or did they have you in mind uh, immediately when they uh, when they wrote the character? Because I, whoever did casting just nailed it on this one. No, no. Uh, the, like I, the, the the script was taken from a book, so the book was w- written long time before the uh, script was written. Wow. And uh, uh, f- fortunately, Harula Rose, who directed it, who was wonderful, uh, called my manager, and uh, and my manager suggested me for the role, and she flipped and said, "Oh man, will he do it?" And uh, they sent me the script, and I said, "Absolutely, I'd love it." So. Uh, uh, well, yeah, and it was something very, very different for me. And like I say, I, I played those old character guys on stage before, but never on film. And it was a great opportunity for me. And uh, and uh, I, I loved doing the film. And uh, it was a, it was great 
working with all these young filmmakers. Uh, it felt like doing doing a, a play almost, you know. So uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I was very, very happy to do it. You, and, you've uh, been doing this. Be, Go ahead. Yeah. Huh? I cut so you off, I think. People will be surprised. People will be surprised that it's me, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I was looking fo- forward to seeing you in it, so I knew it was you, but it is a much different role. People see you as a cop or, you know, tough guy and, and different things. Not that, look, I, I mean, th- this is a much different role. How often do you come across a script that uh, that you've never done before? I mean, you've been, <laughs> you've been doing this for 50 years. You've been doing it at a high level for 50 years. I can't imagine that there's t- too many things like this that uh, that you're going to see that you've just never either, either you've never done them before or that uh, you've just never fit into it. Uh, it. Does this happen often? Well, you know, uh, you know that's kind of the, the, the uh, not problem, but uh, that's one of the things about Hollywood. They 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 sort of typecast you. You know, I mean, because uh, doing Taggart and Beverly Hills Cop was 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 wonderful. I, I really enjoyed it, and I love working with Eddie and Judge and everybody. And Marty Press was terrific. And and but there's almost a curse to it. You know, if you do something so well, it, it's kind of a curse. You know, then they they tag you as that. You know, oh he's Taggart, he's Taggart. You know, it's like yeah. they don't yeah. consider you for other things because all they see you as is Taggart. You know, so. Uh, and I and I can't tell you how many tagger roles I turned down. You know, I said I already did that. I don't want to do that again. And, and uh, I'm a character actor. I want to do other characters. And that's what intrigued me so much about Midnight Run. When that came along, I said, "Boy, this is so different than Taggart. I really want to do this." And Marvin Dorfler was very different than Taggart. And then Smoke is very different from all of those characters. So. Uh, hopefully, you know, I mean, I, I did a lot of theater. I did played a lot of characters. I'm a character actor. And I don't want to play just one character the rest of my life. I mean, I, I look at people who do soap operas, and God bless them, but well, I couldn't do that. You know, I couldn't play the same character for 20 years. It drive me nuts. But, you know, God, I mean, I'm not putting them down by any means. It's just it's just I, I couldn't do that. And I, I want to diversify myself and, and try different roles and try different, you know, things. And, and uh, you know, I want to create different characters. And uh, this gave me the opportunity to really do something. Uh, it certainly did. Uh, it just it hasn't, hasn't seen me do. Listen, it certainly has. Uh, congratulations on the role and on the film. It's it's absolutely terrific. Once Upon a River is the name of it. Everyone yeah. could see it on digital and DVD uh, tomorrow. I want to congratulate you on it. Just an amazing career, but a great performance with uh, Smoke. What a character. What a what a job you did on this. Well, and uh, if you can, uh, let us know anything else we should be looking forward to. I know people are waiting to talk to you. Uh, and if you have a website or a social media site, point us to that as well. All right, well, I just uh, finished uh, a film right before the, the shutdown here called Death in Texas with Bruce Dern and Laura Flynn Boyle and Lonnie Jean Blevins. And uh, we just had a screening of that, and that's opening in the spring. It's called Death in Texas. And I'm getting ready to shoot a film called Lonesome Soldier. As soon as everything lifts and so we can go back to work, uh, I'll be doing that. So, uh, um, so there's things on my plate, and I'm doing just moving ahead, man.
<laughs> Listen, great job on Smoke. I mean, just a great, great job on, on a great role, great writing, casting, everything terrific. Uh, thanks for being here, John. All right. Thank you, Frank. I appreciate it. You guys stay safe. Yeah, you too, John. And everyone out there, please, Once Upon a River is on DVD. DVD and digital tomorrow. Check it out. Uh, yeah, again, he, you know, he he nailed it. Uh, so many people uh, know him for uh, Beverly Hills Cop one and two, and uh, and you know Midnight Run. I thought he was terrific, uh, absolutely terrific in that. Uh, he he's a great actor. He really is a, a terrific actor, and he is great uh, in this role as Smoke. Uh, yeah, it's it's got a yeah. He said Duck uh, Tuck Finn. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, Huck Finn, and, uh, and you know it's got that kind of feel to it. You know, like a Mark Twainish. Uh, you know, it, it, just because of the river. That's the only reason why. Other than that, you're not going to see any Mark Twain in it. Uh, Frank McKay signing off. We'll see you next time on Breaking It Down. It's Breaking It Down with Frank McKay. Long Island Vibes. On 107.1 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. Now here's your host, Frank McKay. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here. So much more importantly, Peter Shapiro is our very special guest and uh, just a, a great legendary uh, concert promoter. And when you when you start thinking of the greats and the Rushmores uh, of the world, well, the Rushmore, I should say, you got Bill Graham on there. You got to have Peter Shapiro on there somewhere. Um, he, he's absolutely great at what he's done. And uh, here, if you don't uh, believe me, you just get the book. The Music Never Stops, What Putting on 10,000 Shows Has Taught Me About Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of Magic. Peter Shapiro is the author and our very special guest. Peter, how are you? Hey, brother. Good to be here. Uh, you're putting a lot of pressure on me with the, that Rushmore. I got <laughs> to go put on some more good shows. Now, hey, listen, you've, uh, you've done, you could drop the mic right now, walk away, and you still go down as one of the greats. Uh, but I got to ask you, after putting a a book like this together, I, it, I guess it forces you to take a good hard look at your life, at your career. Uh, what what stands out, uh, you know, immediately uh, that may not have have stood out prior to writing the book? Well, I'm glad I got it down while I mostly remember it all. That was, yeah. <laughs> you know, going back and yeah. how hard, you know, it takes years. A lot. It's not easy for each of us probably to like think back and and I had not written anything down. So, you know, I'm, I'm glad I did. You know, listen, I'm a kid who went to a Grateful Dead show in 1993. I was a kid in Chicago, March 93, go to the show. And somehow I left the concert in the middle of the show and ended up in the parking lot of a Grateful Dead show in a drum circle at 20 years old. New York City kid in Chicago to in college. But I was not, you know, all these kids were not going back to college. They were on the school bus you know, going to find, you know, the psychedelic circus. And I was in this drum circle, and that moment really changed my life. You know, people talk about a moment that put them on a path. Mine just happened to be in the parking lot of a Grateful Dead show. And that led me to the great Wetlands Club here in New York yeah. um, in Tribeca that I owned by a deadhead who, who we got a line from my experience. I went and made a film about the dead. He saw it and said, why don't you take over wetlands? I was 23 years old in 1996. And that led me to here, really. You know, one thing led to another. 
and I put on a show every night, really, since that moment in 1996. I took over Wetlands, you know, with Brooklyn Bowl and the Capitol Theater. I've been fortunate, you know, to, to put on a lot of great shows. Yeah, well, listen, I'm... it never fades, bro. You know, I keep yeah. wanting. I just want to keep, even when I get tired, then I put on a show and I want to do more. Yeah, well, I, I'm glad you brought up the wetlands. Uh, the wetlands to me is, uh, it, you know, a historical place. Uh, you know, I, I I used to own clubs here on Long Island, where uh, where I am. I owned uh, uh, three clubs, but the wetlands is something that I always I, I always thought was just a, an amazing story. Like you said, it was uh, it started by a, a deadhead and owned by a deadhead, uh, and and. It, it, you, it's so exciting when something like that works, and it worked, I think, the way it was supposed to. I, go back there a little bit, and, and how much of the book touches on your earliest experience there? Is it, it ju- just a diving board where you kind of dive off from there, but do you, do you get into any detail about, uh, about what you experienced there? Yeah, well, the book is the story of 50 shows. I'm turning 50 next week, so we looked at it. But a bunch of the shows are from Wetlands in the 90s. Um, and that amazing little rock club. And, you know, you don't see as many of those anymore, obviously. You know, Tramps is gone and CBGBs yeah. and the original Knit and Wetlands. There's just that whole lower Manhattan now, a lot of condos. And people came from Jersey, Long Island. And, and on a weekend, we would have a Saturday afternoon ska show and then maybe a deadhead jam band show that night and an agnostic front, like, kind of hardcore show Sunday afternoon. And then we would do a residency with the Roots hip-hop Sunday night. So in one weekend, Saturday, Sunday, we would do four shows at Wetlands. And you would see six, 700 kids come to each of those four shows all seeking the same thing. Just dressed differently, right? The Scott kids had the white T-shirts with the arms rolled up. The hippie kids had, you know, naps that, you know, just like their tie-dyed shirt. And then the hip-hop heads had their look. You know, each group seeking the same thing through music, that magic. The music was just a little different. And then they each dress, you know, for their own kind of religion differently, you know, with a different pastor up on stage, but they all took place in this one temple, you know, cathedral that was called Wetlands, this beat up little rock club, and you would see a couple thousand people come through just in 36 hours, four different shows, and uh, I think only a place like Wetlands could have pulled that off, you know, if anyone listening remembers there, right on Hudson and Late. The irony is Larry Block, who started Wetlands, picked a corner of the exit, right at the exit of the Holland Tunnel. He's like, no one will ever want to live here. This club will last forever. <laughs> the exit here from rude. the Holland Tunnel in New York City. Yeah. Ironically, it's all like five, ten million dollar condos now. It's gone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, listen, it, it worked. Uh, just absolutely great. Let me ask you about now. Uh, it, do you see any? And, and again, you know, the internet's changed a lot uh, of things. Uh, you know, and and you know, maybe it's taken away from uh, some of the live. But there's, there's still there's still uh, kids out there. Is there anything going on now that you see as a promoter? As a uh, as a former kid, as a former uh, you know club goer, uh, do you see any scenes out there that are emerging or developing? Is there anything we should we should be aware of? Well, there's always new things. Listen, these screens that we all have and that the kids have, you know, they're they're 
it cannot provide the magic of a live show. And whether kids are going to see electronic music, there was a big show this weekend in New York called Odessa, you know, or Bad Bunny was the other night at Yankee Stadium. Um, and you just you can't get that on the screen. You know, I think COVID showed us whether we were young, we were mid-age, we were older, we all went through this moment where we, there was no live and there was no live music. And I kind of hope that people realize from it, I know I did, how much we missed it. You know, you don't always realize how much you miss something until it's gone. You know, that happened with Wetlands. When Wetlands went away from 9-11, that we heard from so many people who were like, I love that place so much. When it was there, you know, people like Wetlands, but, it, you know, the sight lines weren't great. It got high. It was just, but when it's gone, people realize Whatever it is, could be another person, a venue they love, a restaurant they love. But we all lost live music for a year there. And uh, we're really nice thing is we're seeing it come back because young kids on these Snapchat and TikToks, you know, you just don't get that magic of that encore where the whole arena, stadium or club singing the song. You're jumping up and down, stage diving, jumping or just having a drink, you know. That's the magic we all need. Hey, Peter, before we let you go, uh, the music never stops. It's, uh, it sounds like there's a lot in there. Uh, did you leave a lot out? Uh, do you have enough for uh, another book? Is it something you uh, you want to do or you don't want to think about right now? Or you're just kind of in the middle of this. Um, uh, how much did you leave out of this? I got more. I mean, I, I got I to gotta go put on more shows. You know, <laughs> I've done 10,000, yeah. but... I have actually a line in the book that, like, a great show for me lasts about 72 hours. You know, for a couple of days, maybe I don't need to see a show. It stays with me. But then, like, three days later, I'm starting to twit. You know, I'm starting to get that itch again. And uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm still going. I'm glad I got all this down. And I'm, I'm 50 shows and turning 50. But, you know, I'm still, I still want to at the table and try and create some magic if I can. Well, listen, before you go, give us a website or a social media site where we can follow along with what you're doing and with the what uh, the music never stops. Well, yeah, the books, the music never stops. You can just Google it, Amazon it, and uh, I'd say go check it out. It'll give you a good feel for like what it takes to put on these shows. You know, the struggles that go through all the things that go wrong, you know, how I try to do it right. And then my venues, uh, Brooklyn Bowl, which we now are in New York, Vegas, Nashville, Philly, or the Capitol Theater up in Porchester. And and uh, thank everyone who's listening for, for going to see live music. You know, go see more live music. Uh, Peter Shapiro, congratulations on everything, not just the book, but a, a great career still going strong. Uh, thank you very much for being here. The music never stops. What putting on 10,000 shows has taught me about life, liberty, and the pursuit of magic. Peter Shapiro, uh, the promoter, and uh, and uh, just a, a great promoter. You know, I followed his career. I, uh, I don't think we ever met. It's funny. We're kind of contemporaries. I'm a couple years older than him, but, um, yeah, he was uh, wetlands. I'd been there. I, I, I must have met him somewhere along the line, but I owned three clubs out on the island and, and booked, 
you know, well over a thousand, uh, thousand. I booked over a thousand bands while I was a teenager, and uh, and and clubs. I don't know how many clubs over the years, and with touring bands and everything else. Uh, just anyway, but uh, Peter Shapiro has put together a uh, a wonderful career. Wetlands is uh, is something he should be very proud of. Uh, the music never stops. What putting on ten thousand shows has taught me about life, liberty, and the pursuit of magic. Frank McKay signing off. We'll see you all next time on Breaking It Down. In many ways, Long Island is the story of America. It's Breaking It Down with Frank McKay. Long Island is definitely the place for you. Now, here's your host, Frank McKay, on 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here uh, with a, a super talented guy and I, I've been listening to him years, uh, for years, watching him for years and uh, you've seen him in so many things. But what he's always going to be remembered for, well, there's a lot of things he's going to be remembered for, but one of the, the, the things that he has done that will be with us forever is he's the voice of Steve in American Dad and I've been an American Dad fan for, for so many years. A big reason why is uh, the work of Scott Grimes, and uh, I'm just absolutely thrilled to have him. Uh, there you are celebrating, celebrating season 17. I mean, just just imagine that, season 17 of American Dad. Uh, uh, let, let me tell you, uh, Scott, thrilled to have you. How are you? I'm doing great, and just, I can't, when you, when you even say it, 17, I'm like, I remember when we were in the first season wondering and struggling to see if we were ever going to go a second season. And now we're season 17. It's an, it's an incredible honor. You know, I mean, was there doubt? Because, the by the way, the, the first season was classic. Uh, all, all the early seasons were just unbelievable. Now, I mean, it still is it's just terrific. Uh, it's it, it feels different than obviously than the uh, than the first shows. The same way, you know. Let's face it, uh, uh, you know, uh, Family Guy and The Simpsons. You know, uh, shows yeah. evolve. But did it, it? Was it really up up for grabs in the first season? Yeah, I remember that. My agent at the time was like, "Hey, man, yeah, don't get don't get too don't be too happy about doing <laughs> this. It's probably not going to go another season because uh, they had you know they had canceled Family Guy. It was it was now coming back Family Guy, so they didn't know." If uh, Fox was going to want to put money into two Seth MacFarlane shows, so every year until like season ten, we were thinking that we weren't going to go. So, but it was again, it was it wasn't supposed to be in my life, so I just felt like it was a lovely gift. You know, in in my mind, and I was watching Family Guy, you know, prior to American Dad coming on with the kids, and and we were you know we were heavily into Family Guy. It's so different, you know. I mean, I, I don't know if like the casual uh, viewer understands uh, how different American Dad is uh, from from Family Guy. By the way, which you've worked on as, as well, you worked on. But I mean, uh, yeah, uh, American Dad is a smart show, and I mean, it's it's been a smart show from uh, from day one. And um, I don't know. I, I mean, if if I were you, I'd I'd look back on the body of work that's been put into that show and be very proud of it. I am. I mean, I was a huge fan of Family Guy and still am. We are a totally different show. We're more of a we're more of like a sitcom where it's a story from start to finish. We don't do flashbacks like Family Guy, which is which I love about Family Guy. Right. But we are a different show, and we are. You know, I always describe it. And you know, take it how you want. I don't know anybody. We're we're a, we're a, a show about Republicans written by Democrats. <laughs> you could take that exactly how you want it. You know, that's, that's what we are. Um, we make fun of everybody, and we make fun of ourselves, and uh, 
you watch it if you want. You know, I think it's it's just been a it's been a good ride, and you know, to be able to do the only voice legitimately, Frank, because I was friends with Seth before, right? We were yeah. friends, and he called me up one day and he said, "I'm doing this new show. Can you come in and try a voice?" I said, "Sure." And I went in and I did the only voice at the time that I could do. And thank God he didn't ask me to do a second one because I didn't have a second one. Uh, and it just came, you know. I literally just put Steve Urkel and SpongeBob together and then made him a little nerdy and gave him a little list and gave him a little swagger. And that was Steve Smith. But that's all I had in my arsenal. Wow. I, you know, I, I would have, if you could have given me a hundred guesses, I never would have thought that's where it came from. Uh, just a, it's a, just a dynamite, yeah. dynamite job. Uh, and by the way, you guys, and, and when I say you guys, I mean uh, voice actors that have uh, that have been involved in a show this long. You guys don't get enough credit for the acting that you do. It's just it's it's acting, you know. Just because they can't see you on screen, it, it is. You're acting, you know. Yeah, especially you know when you're doing a Seth MacFarlane show because what you're trying to do, Seth has a specific voice, and I, I don't mean his actual voice. It's he has a way of writing. He has a way of acting. He has a way he wants lines. Said, and it's a, it's a specific comedy and if you can get that then this shows for you as an actor but a lot of people don't maybe understand his his level of humor uh and this cast just does so i appreciate that compliment because i do think we're doing some uh we're doing some some work beyond just putting a voice behind something yeah, all of you. I mean, just uh, just and well casted. Yeah. It's, uh, Rachel, I, I, everybody uh, in, involved in the show is just absolutely terrific. Uh, let me let me ask you this. And and as uh, as outsiders, as watchers of the show, viewers of the show, uh, we probably take a lot of things for granted. Uh, do you remember any controversies that maybe we wouldn't know about, but that you guys got a lot of heat for? Uh, with American Dad, and and you know, I would assume early on, after a while, I guess I, you know, shows like you and 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 the shows that I've mentioned, well, set shows and uh, Cleveland show, and uh, you know, they kind of broke that ceiling where where you know everything goes at this point. But were there any controversies that we might not have known about that uh, that hit you guys or that you guys were paying attention to, but we just never noticed them? You know, it's so funny we. <laughs> I, I bet we had a thousand, but there were these mini controversial things before a time when things became big. But uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I don't, I, I, I did know people had a problem with, you know, a, a, maybe a principal at a high school or, or at, a, at a school making jokes about pedophilia. I mean, uh, that is obviously <laughs> right. horribly, that's horribly wrong in every way. But um, we, 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 Today, if that started, if those jokes started today, which I don't think we make those jokes anymore, then they'd be a, a, a big issue with, with what's going on and the, and the things that we've had to learn and uh, not write about. Uh, but at the time, they were just small. People were going, well, I don't watch that show because they, they make fun of this. And again, across the board, we make fun of everybody or did. Um, uh, but no, nothing that, that ever threatened the, the show going off the air ever. No, that wasn't a, a thing at the time. We kind of got we got lost in that a bit. And also, remember, you know, and this doesn't make it okay, but cartoons get away with a lot more because they are cartoons and they are not real people doing these things. Uh, but we have become uh, uh, not better. We've become, uh, you know, I guess better at uh, not offending uh, things that shouldn't be offended anymore.
Yeah, it's just uh, just great. The the yeah. body of work, the body inside the work, um, is, uh, is just tremendous on your end and Seth and Ray, everybody. I uh, let me uh, let me just say this, and before I let you go, you mentioned seventeen seasons. I mentioned seventeen seasons, and and when you start a gig, I I don't know too many things that uh, that you could say i mean maybe other than a soap opera where you could expect 17 yeah. seasons uh just a, a final thought on yeah. that before we ask you for your social media uh sites and your websites and anywhere we could follow along but uh, just just a thought on that i mean I, I, where else can you possibly go where you would think 17 seasons you'd get out of <laughs> and counting i thought but i thought that at season five i was like how are they continuing to write these, uh, now remember, it's, it's a bit easier for a cartoon because we have no rules. You can write anything. This, these, I've been 95 years old. I've been nine months old. I've done voices <laughs> for everything in between. So we do have it a lot easier than some of these shows that have to come up with uh, real, real time and real storylines. Ours can be car- cartoony and, and, and fabulous and magical and all the things. So there's that. Um, and also the group of writers and creators that we have on American Dad are just these goofball, beautiful <laughs> sons of bitches that, that just, you you know, they have 12,000 more ideas in them. And don't, don't, you know, when you're a writer, when you're a singer, you sing. When you're a writer, you write. And these guys have a, a billion ideas. So don't worry about us. We'll be around 17 more seasons. No question. Uh, Scott Grimes, uh, congratulations on on an amazing career, still going strong, and uh, a lot more to come. Thank you very much for being here. Hey, Frank, appreciate you. Thanks for having me on. Scott Grimes, everyone, has been our very special guest. Uh, you've seen him in, in uh, you know, a million things. You, you know, you, you know, he might be uh, somebody that just goes uh, goes by without you noticing. Uh, who he is, uh, just you know, because his, his a great part of his work has been done in um, voiceovers, and and he's just tremendous at it. Uh, he's the voice uh, of Steve Smith. That's why we're talking about him today. Uh, Steve Smith on American Dad, season seventeen premieres uh, coming up, and it, it just uh, it, just an amazing, uh, you know, an amazing career that he's put together and Seth MacFarlane, forget it, is in, in a different category by himself. I mean, to have, have the two shows go on that long, uh, just unbelievable. I, I thought the Cre- Cleveland show was great, too. Uh, much shorter lived, I don't know, the three seasons, I think, the Cleveland show. I don't know we even know what Family Guy's on or, or The Simpsons are on. They're just endless, both of them. Not, you know, and again, not to uh, uh, compare what Seth MacFarlane's doing to The Simpsons, but it's the only possible comparison that you can make. Uh, season 17 is, uh, is upon us, and Scott Grimes is the, uh, is the voice of Steve Smith. Um, Frank McKay signing off. St- Scott Grimes has been our very special guest, and American Dad, just, a, just an amazing, amazing run that they're having, and for Seth MacFarlane, uh, nobody has ever had two shows go on that long. It's now on TBS. It started out on Fox, and instead of uh, uh, you know, I guess just ending, ending it. I guess when Fox wanted to end it, uh, they uh, uh, they made a move. They made a move to TBS, and it's extended the life of this show. Frank McKay signing off. Scott Grimes, the voice of Steve Smith on American Dad, has been our very special guest. We'll see you next time on. 
Breaking It Down. This is Breaking It Down with your host, Frank McKay, on 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays.